Welcome to another Snow Farms Underground podcast. Today is the 13th of September, 2022. And today I'm going to talk about uh, just again, this uh, underground section is just going to be whatever's on my mind, whatever's going on, thoughts I want to share, ponder, pontificate on, whatever you want to call it. And uh, today I'm going to talk about the energy crisis in Europe. So realistically, we look pretty good. Uh, we produce a ton of energy. We're exporting a ton of energy. The liquid natural gas production that's going into Europe is definitely something that is helping Europeans. Otherwise, the lights, they would be in much more dire circumstances than they are. My big concern there is as the winter pro prolongs, and I think things are going to get fairly ugly because especially, and who knows, right? Because right now the information coming out of Ukraine is that the Ukrainians are on a counteroffensive, taking a bunch of property back from the Russians. So should the Russians have a bad day, even withdraw completely, right? I don't think that the allies are in the European allies and the United States are going to be willing to lift those sanctions anytime soon. And conversely, as long as those sanctions are in place, the Russians have no reason not to continue to leverage their energy that's going into Europe to heat their homes, keep the lights on, all that stuff. So my, my, you know, look, extrapolating out of that. So you've got all the second and third order effects that no one really talks about or thinks about. So we've already been talking about the amount of food production that's been lost out of Ukraine this year. Harvest season is here. Whatever comes out is all that's coming out. So we're going to see Grain prices, we'll see what that market does. It's commodity. That's not my specialty, but I think you're going to see just even on the inflationary side, a 10% rise in the price of wheat and corn in Africa just does not have the liquid assets among its populace to cover that without there being some uprising. So food rights are going to be something to watch for and, and curious to see if the African countries do a better job of preventing that that's really what led to the riots across North Africa in the Arab Spring was the price of staples that year. Wheat, corn, barley, things that come out of Ukraine. Next are the fertilizer, uh, the loss of fertilizer production coming out of both Russia and Ukraine. Urea, nitrogen, phosphorus, all these things that were in that region and then China not exporting as a hedge against their own, their own self-interest, make sure that all stays internal, what that's going to do to production next year and not just production, but costs. If you have a limited amount of something in a normal market, the prices rise. If supply stays the same, you have a shrinkage in, in availability. So we'll see how that, that's going to affect prices of everything. And then it looks like on the fuel side, oil and gas, Thing to remember right now is we're still drawing was a million couple million gallons i'm sorry barrels a day of the strategic petroleum reserve that's going to come to an end allegedly towards it's a finite resource so it's going to come to an end before the election unless they drain it dry which even as mad as i think everybody is right now i can't see the madness going that far but uh even if it's the end of October, you won't see on the other side of that prices start to rise till after the election. And that's when it's going to get interesting here in the States. If we have a return after the election of 
$4 plus gas and $5 plus diesel. And it's still hovering around $5 a gallon. I, put, I filled up the Dodge the other day and uh, a couple of five-gallon um, jugs for the tractor. I was I didn't cry. I didn't cry, but it hurt. So if that fuel price increases return, we're going to see real unease at least. And then going into our winter, heating oil prices in the Northeast are outsized because you have so many people in that small area. Depending on how the winter is, it's very easy to make that into a crisis. It's very easy to ignore it. I, I expect that we'll see that ignored, even though folks are suffering because it just makes the current regime look that much worse. So what do you do about this? So the first thing I'd be thinking about for this winter is alternative heat or looking at heat differently. Wood stoves. So if you own your house and you have a chimney, you have a fireplace, it's there for decorative reasons, an insert. It's a relatively inexpensive. You can still go buy them. They haven't been outlawed by the EPA yet, regardless of what you may have heard. Now, there are some certain states. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon, Washington, California may have entered into that and start putting state regulations in, in uh, place. But as far as I know, even there, you can still go down and buy a stove. Those fireplace inserts, the only thing you have to worry about is the electric fan running them. It does not draw that many watts. So it's one of those things where even if you have no power in the house, but you have that going, you're looking at, if you have a solar panel, you can charge a couple of batteries. I can't imagine, I haven't put a kilowatt on mine. I can't imagine that draws more than, than 200 watts. And my my gut tells me it's probably going to be under 100 so that's a something that long term you can charge a deep cycle marine battery, run it off your car batteries if you go out and let your car run. But that's definitely a great secondary or even primary for us. It's our primary source of heat all winter. But it's something to think about and be buying wood, cutting wood, however you get your wood right now. So the next thing, and it's always cool, especially for the younger guys, uh, rocket mass heaters and uh, Paul Wheaton permits.com everything you could possibly want to know if you go down that road they're there so eventually I'm, I'm trying to figure out in our greenhouse how to make that a reality just a stretch because two weeks on either side of the season extra month of growing five weeks six weeks all of a sudden what we can grow in that greenhouse between variety and just total production it's a game changer uh, propane tanks i bought a propane tank in Milford, the old place. And it was very reasonable. Now this was before all the inflation hit, but I filled it up and that was for us, it was two years worth of heating for that place on the size of tank that I bought. So that's definitely something as a hedge against inflation, buying for it now, paying for it now, and then hoping that in two years you come out on the other side and prices stabilized and your income has risen. It's a hedge. It's not a guaranteed play. So it's just something to think about there, especially if, like in Texas, there are, and, and all through the Midwest, propane is really, really big. You have all these guys. Well, we had a guy on our route. He owned our route. He owned our place. And we had two different companies that would service us, and they were both Johnny on the spot. So anytime we called them, they would come out that day 
and the latest we had somebody there, they got done around 10 p.m. at night. But that's how he got paid, and he acted as such. Solar, back to solar, I've talked a little bit. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot more as simply a hedge against energy costs. Like I said, this isn't about Mother Gaia. It's about how do I take care of my family and putting money into that and looking at paybacks on a on a inflating dollar. So like I said, on my, oh, we spent right at $11,000 on the system that, that I put together. When we bought that system, our average bill in Texas was $100 a month. It's a very competitive, the energy market there was fantastic at that time. That $100 a month is now closer to 300 than it's 100. I think even in Oklahoma where we're at, we'll probably end up over 200 a month on a smaller house. So definitely something to think about there just to keep more money in your pocket and have that upfront cost. If you can do it, it makes it broken somewhere. It is why in the world would you not pick that up and see what you can do with it? See if you can improve it. See if you can fix it. If, if nothing else, you've learned a lesson on how to fix or almost got to fix. You're like, I would have done this differently next time. And the last part is wear it out, right? So whatever you have, wear it until it just absolutely falls off. If you have a pair of pants that is slowly ripping between the cargo pocket and the knee, I'm a cargo pocket guy. doesn't matter. Shorts, pants, extra pockets give me extra uh, places to <laughs> bring tools to bring things to solve problems. So um, fashion be danged. So one of the things I would highly encourage you, even single young men, go buy a sewing machine. Um, I bought my wife, my best friend's mom was selling sewing machines at the time. They had a nice little sewing machine shop. If you don't know what you're looking for, go find you some really sweet Mormon ladies and get recommendations. And again, you're not looking to spend a thousand dollars. You're trying to get a mid range, but super high quality. That's going to last forever and not have problems. That's going, you're going to be able to fix and buy it used for the love of goodness. Go buy it used again from those same sweet Mormon ladies that are, you know, embracing their third wave feminism. Go buy it from them. Pay and, and my my starting point on everything is twenty five percent of retail. If it's in perfect condition, I'll happily pay fifty. But that's always my no. I'll I'll keep looking. Don't be in a hurry. Uh, it's easy for me to say, right? Especially if you're just getting into this. But the biggest mistake I made when I after the two thousand eight crash, and I've we've talked about this already, but I just went down the bullets, beans, and guns, right? So. Pace yourself, understand that you have time. And whether that's a year or five years or 10 years, who knows, right? Enjoy life, be positive. But uh, if you're doing these things, it really is for quality of life overall. The next thing, when you're for me, when I buy boots or pants, I am trying to buy, this is not the case on t-shirts, even though I have, <laughs> I was telling Andrew, I have a t-shirt from when I was coaching that uh is 20 years old it'll be old enough to drink next year and she's like she looked at me with just equal mi mixture of i can't believe you're telling me this and why do you have a shirt that's 20 years old but 50 50 polyester blend they wear really well they're not breathable here in the south it is covered in sweat i i have worn that at least once every two weeks for 20 years and not threadbare 
it's I really all t-shirts should be made that well but pants same thing buy hard use pants um, there's a rainbow band that I have I don't have it in front of me believe it or not that and I'll have to get that and put it in the show notes someday or you can ask but I bought those in 2012 right after I got back from Rhode Island I have worn them every week on the farm for 11 years now they have some holes they absolutely do but it's a ripstop material they haven't gotten bigger i have fencing digging you name it for the money i think they were 40 dollars at the time and i just it it hurt me and i, I had a friend whose wife worked at uh, dnb and it was one of the weekends that she could give out a, her friends and family discount and even that i still remember <laughs> how much i it hurt to, to buy those. I think I bought four pairs because I bought the first one, really liked it, fit well. Buy high quality things. I, I, I'm a fan of Danner boots, even though where they're at, it's a bunch of dirty commies. I, I still think highly of the people of Eastern Oregon. It's, it's God's country. It's beautiful. Danner, they fit my feet. I've got these narrow skinny feet that I've gotten as I've gotten older. They definitely spread out a little bit. They're not nearly as skinny as they once were. But buying quality boots, used. After you buy your first pair, you know what size you want. And this second pair that I bought, what's the third pair in the last, since we moved out here, that was before that, had, had them in Idaho, 10, 11 years. So I'm at $100, not even that, probably $75 a year for high quality boots that I wear every day on the farm. Uh, they protect your feet, keep you from getting injured. The next thing, I've already talked about this, but just tools. Uh, estate sales, great place. Do you want a wood shop? What are the things you need for a wood shop? I need to make that a show episode. I'm going to write that down right now. Wood shop tools. And give you a list of things I think at a minimum that you need and you can get by with just to create your own furniture and Again, you're not going to create showroom Amish quality, but you can create really functional, especially with the internet's glorious, really functional furniture with us and all this land we have to clear with junk wood. So there's that. But buying those tools, best quality, and then understanding you can restore those tools as well. And then the last thing against that energy crisis, against inflation, is be a producer. Don't just be a consumer. What can you make? What can you grow? Food. Always the easiest thing. We've, we're going to talk a lot about that and all the different things. But start looking at yourself as a food producer, not a food consumer. Um, you're going to be, you're going to get two things out of this. A lot of, more than that. The mental clarity that comes to me when I'm in the garden is tremendous. Sunlight, exercise, high quality food, knowing where your food came from, being able to share. It is a great it is a really wild thing as a human being when you give food, share food with your friends that you grew. It is, for me, it's a spiritual thing. It really, really is. It, it just, my heart is very, very happy with it. Um, and then producing wood. And not just on the, I'm growing a tree or I'm growing trees, but I'm turning trees into fuel. So that means cutting trees down. How do you use every part of that tree? Um, every time I cut down a tree, it, it's just like when I take, I'll say this a hundred times. It's no different me than when I take animals to the butcher 
I am always very, very thankful, and I try my absolute best not to waste any of that tree. But you can turn that tree into lumber, and you can turn that tree into products. So those are things that you can do right now and start thinking about, oh my goodness, you're in the greatest time in the world to ever be alive in so many ways. I am so optimistic for all the, the structural problems that we have, for all the debt, for all those things that are going on in the world. There's been war since the beginning of time. Men are made for war. We really are. It, it's just one of those things we're going to have conflict. I, and there's no fixing that. But right now, there's never been a better time to educate yourself, better yourself, start a business, all these things. One of the things I got interviewed in the podcast early in the pandemic by a, a guy who we were acquaintances at the time, we've turned into very, very good buddies. And I'll close this by with the same way I closed that. The fact that you are here in America you're the progeny of hard people. Folks that sort of lived through World War II, Vietnam, all the upheaval, Civil Rights Act, the deprivation of the Great Depression, World War I, the taming of the West, all these things. And for all the negative connotation that folks want to put on those things and colonial this and oppression that, it were they were huge things that hard men and women went and did and and survived and thrived and raised families in what we're facing in the future you're you can do it have no doubt that uh, each and every one of us build that build those tribes strengthen your family think of, know what your north star is and for me your know, religion fills that that space and gives me that that foundation and meaning find that if you don't have it but for men you need fellowship with other men and spiritually or non-spiritually it doesn't matter you need that you need to have male friends who go do hard things uh eric khan talks about that all the time you need a gang men need a gang you don't have to hang out with those dudes all the time as dudes we know this but find that group of men that challenge you to be better that are trying to better themselves and, and share the information. Take care of each other. Be good to one another. And we are starting a new tagline. And hopefully it'll stay with us for a while. But every day is an opportunity to learn. It is, for me, the truest thing for Andrea. Our love of learning, our love of teaching, our love of sharing. Just And knowledge for knowledge's sake doesn't do you much. Knowledge for taking care of your family, bettering the world. Those things matter. So thank you for listening. If, as always, if you have any questions, shoot us an email, leave a comment, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those things, all the things. Thanks again.